Well, good morning, everyone. Always a joy to bring the Word of God to God's people. We are back in the book of James after a summer course in hermeneutics. That was a blessing. Let me pray for us as we get into James lesson number 16. Let's pray. Lord God, we uh, thank you uh, that we can participate in the Lord's table and now uh, transition to the study back in the book of James. Lord, we know that you've been working uh, through this book. You've been convicting us and reminding us to trust you in the trials. We pray, Lord, as we get back into this, that it will continue to grow us, mature us, and may we bring you glory through this study. We love you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I recently bought a used minivan uh, so we could have more space for the family when we go on road trips. And we're going to Atlanta, Georgia this year in a couple weeks. And we're going for vacation, going to the G3 conference. And so we're excited. But, of course, um, we needed a bigger van because we have the three kids and whatnot. And so the main question I want us to answer today in the book of James is where are we going? I know I'm going to Atlanta, Georgia in a couple of weeks, Lord willing. But where are we going in the book of James for the next months? But before I can answer that question, we need to know where we are. Like any good road trip, you put the starting location in the GPS, and so far, we're pretty much halfway done through the book of James. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to review chapters 1 and 2 to prepare us for chapter 3 next week. After that, I will give you an overview of what's to come in the next 13 lessons. And so throughout this review, you have your handouts. I want you to fill in the blanks on uh, your review sheet. And so we're going to begin by examining uh, the lessons in chapter 1. And so chapter 1, we looked at 10 lessons. First one was an introduction to the book of James, right? That's where uh, we talked about the author, the audience, the context, just in verse 1. And then uh, we looked at thinking wisely about trials from verses 2 to 4. Remember, consider it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Lesson 3, asking God for wisdom, right? We all need to ask for wisdom because we are not perfect and mature like we should be, and so we need to go to God daily. Lesson 4, we're going to look into uh, the humble are exalted, right? We see that in verses 9 to 11, uh, and we're going to see that You know, who are those that are blessed? Who are those who have the best position? They're the ones that are humble, the ones that go to God. Lesson five, we looked at the blessing of endurance. If you remember, we had that key verse, right? Blessed are those who persevere under trials. For when they are approved, they will receive the crown of life. To those who love God, this is their promise. And so uh, we're going to look into that in a little bit. Lesson six, speaking truthfully about sinful temptation. You remember there that God is inexperienced with evil. He doesn't tempt anyone. And then the cycle of sin, right? First is the desire, then it's sin, and then it gives birth to death. Lesson seven, we talked about stopping deception, starting devotion, right? Uh, James, a major theme throughout this is that he doesn't want us to be deceived, right? If you're a true believer, uh, you should know it. And so, We talked about stopping deception and starting devotion, how God is unchangeable and the Father of lights. We'll get into that in a little bit. Lesson 8, reject the world, receive the word. Just talking about repentance 
and being humble before God, receiving the implanted word, which is able to save our souls. It's talking about a future salvation. And then being doers of the word, right? This one, everyone knows about it. Uh, you know, you could uh, talk the talk, but are you walking the walk? Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. And then worthless religion or worthy relationship, uh, what it looks like someone being a hypocrite, um, someone who, uh, religion is really in uh, vanity because uh, it's not a true religion. They're not able to bridle the tongue, so it shows that there really hasn't been a heart change, rather than a worthy relationship which cares for the needy and they are unstained from the world. All right, and so what we're going to do is I'm going to briefly go a minute and a half, maybe two minutes max, through each lesson. And I want you to have your Bibles out. So if you can open up to James chapter 1, if you haven't already. We're going to see some of these verses. And feel free to stop me if you have any questions. But after every five lessons, uh, we are going to stop for any questions or interaction. So. But let's begin here. Lesson number one. So we had the introduction to the letter, uh, letter. We saw that the author, if you remember, it's the brother of Jesus, but he doesn't introduce himself that way. What does he call himself? A bondservant of Jesus, right? So he's very humble. We know he's a leader of the Jerusalem council, but it wasn't that way before, right? He was a skeptic. He didn't believe until after the resurrection. We know church history tells us that he's known for his camel knees, right? He's a man of prayer. Then we looked into the audience, we knew, uh, if you look at verse 1, it's talking about the 12 tribes. And so, yes, this audience is mainly Jewish, but, of course, uh, it applies to all of us, uh, Gentiles as well. The context you read there in verse 1, um, we see that they are scattered, right? The diaspora. We see that they are dispersed abroad. And so, and this is the first part I want you to remember for your review sheet, if you have it. Persecution is on the rise. And so that is really the context of James. There's much suffering going on. And what are you going to do when all the trials come your way? Obviously, we know James starts it off in verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And so that's what we talked about in lesson uh, 2. We saw that how are we supposed to think about trials? We have this attitude of joy in the midst of suffering. And yes, it's not this, I'm so happy. Yes, I can't wait for more trials. No, it's this, the Lord is with me. I can have joy in the midst of suffering because I know He's helping me and He cares for me. And we have the right approach, which is we're going to be able to endure trials knowing there's a good purpose for them. And so that's the second P. And yes, uh, all the 15 lessons are going to have Something with the letter P here. We're going to endure trials knowing there's a good purpose for them. If you look at verse 4, uh, verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Endurance, steadfastness, perseverance. And so, yes, there is a good purpose with the trial that we're going through. And we can thank God for these trials. And lastly, I talked about this aim that we ought to have in the midst of trials. We ought to submit to God's will. Look at that in verse 4. It says, And let endurance have its perfect work, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Right? We ought to say, God, I don't know why this trial is happening, but I'm going to submit to this trial. I'm going to uh, obey you even when the persecution comes. And so now... 
uh, we move on to the next couple of verses here in Lesson 3, asking God for wisdom. And we looked at three key things, the importance of prayer, the illustration of the fool, and the instability of the fool. Now, right from verse uh, 5, it connects to verse 4. Uh, if, any, if anyone uh, lacks wisdom, right, talking about before, with if you're perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, but here we know that we do lack. We, we lack maturity, and so what do we need to do? The third part of your review sheet here, we all need to pray, right? And what should we pray for? James gives us one key thing we ought to be praying for, wisdom, right? Discernment, knowing, God, what is it that you want me to do in this given situation? It's so easy to want to fight back when the persecution rises, but what ought we to do? And so you pray for wisdom. Lord, help me to know what to do in this case. If you keep going in verses 6, 7, and 8, we read about this fool, right? And so a lot of this book in the book of James is about wisdom. And so we see a contrast between someone who's wise and someone who's a fool. And so the fool here is illustrated with this simile. He is like the surf of the sea, right? Tossed and driven. And so you could picture this in your mind. You see the waters going back and forth. There's no stability with the fool. Why? Because he doubts. He lacks faith. But remember, we spoke about, it's not this doubting, like, I have these questions and I need these answers. No, it's this denying of God. So you've seen God work, but now you're saying, I don't believe in it. And so they're really just proud. And they don't have any foundation because they don't know Christ. Continuing here, we move on to verses 9 to 11. And here we see that the humble are exalted. Uh, if you look at verse 9, it says, But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. And so we learned about the height and humility. Our position, next P in your review sheet, our position is the best. Yes, it might be really difficult. The trials are coming our way. But guess what? We know that one day we will be exalted. We have a future promise to look forward to, and it's going to be great. We don't have to worry. We can say, God, I'm in the best place possible right now because I'm in your hands. Everything's going to be all right. And so we also looked at the contrast between that, which is um, the proud, right? The rich man in this case will fade away. And we were given an illustration with how the scorching sun, right? And it's like the grass that fades away uh, in a really summer day. If you don't water your plants or, or, or you know, water the grass, you, you rem it's brown, it's green, it's yucky, right? And so that's what happens to the rich man. He will fade away in his pursuits. Uh, I brought up hopeless pursuit of hard cash. We know that money doesn't last. It could be today. It could be your last day. You never know. And so uh, just a reminder here that the humble are exalted, uh, but the proud, uh, they will not be exalted. Then we looked at Lesson 5, the blessing of endurance. And now I looked at four key words, and I'll remind you of them. Blessed, right? A, a big key word for this letter. Even in trials, we are in the best position possible. We are in the best position possible. If you look at verse 12, this is the main verse, so I'll read it. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive what? The crown of life, 
which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so the crown of life is talking about eternal life, life with Christ forever. And so, yes, beloved, even in the trials, you can say, I'm blessed because I know my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And also, eventually, uh, once this race gets to the end, we will be approved, right? We pass the test of life. You'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's when we will receive God's gift to us, talking about eternal life to all who persevere. And yes, we do have eternal life now because we know Christ, but obviously uh, to the last part of glorification, uh, that's going to be really beautiful. But the main question I asked that week was, do you love him? Do you love him? That would be evidence if you have a saving faith. And remember, a big theme throughout this is do not be deceived, right? And so you have to ask yourself, do I love the Lord Jesus or am I just faking it, right? All right, one more lesson and then we'll stop a little bit. Speaking truthfully about sinful temptations. One of my favorite lessons here, uh, we learn about just God and his inexperience with evil, right? If you look at verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. And so we have two key things here, ready? For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. And so we know God doesn't sin. He is good. He is holy. He doesn't tempt anyone. But we did learn that God does test our faith, right? We learned that example of Abraham and Isaac. Uh, and so there's a huge difference there. Um, he doesn't tempt us like, I can't wait till they sin. You know, I'm going to make sure they sin. No, God tests our faith, and it's up to us if we're going to obey or disobey. And we see in the cycle of sin that desire in our hearts, right? That wicked desire leads to a sinful act that we do, right? Desire, depravity, and then it leads to death. Why, why do we die? Remember Adam and Eve, right? They sinned, they disobeyed. And eventually, yes, Adam did die after many, many years. And so every time uh, we see death, why is death even in this world? Because sin is present. And so uh, the next P in your review sheet, the cycle of sin will make you perish. For the wages of sin is what? Death. So any questions or takeaways from lessons one to six? I know I just said a lot, but it's mainly a review. So any questions or any from verses one to 15? Mm. So how do you reconcile that with Jesus' temptation? Yes, very good question. I, I think we discussed it a little bit, but we might have, we might have. So uh, Jesus being fully God, fully man, right? So the hypostatic union, um, it is very complex. I'm not going to say I'm an expert in it. Um, I, I did have to write a paper in it in seminary. It was a good paper. I, lo- I love to think about just the humanity of Christ, um, how he's a baby, you know, uh, fully man, right? We can never take that away. Yet he was fully God. Um, And so some reconcile it with um, external temptation. For example, um, when he was in the wilderness, right? Uh, Satan did tempt him with food, right? And he was hungry, right? That's a temptation. Um, But he never had what we would have, which is uh, an inner sinful desire, right? Um, Because he was never uh, tainted with sin. Um, And he never sinned, obviously, being perfectly God, obviously. But, so yeah, I would say there's a difference between the external and internal temptation. Uh, but that's a good question, and, and one that 
uh, yes, uh, it's not uh, easy to understand, right? You know, the things with God. If we understood everything about God, man, that, w- that would be crazy. But no, we're, we're finite beings and, you know, even the Trinity would be another one. That and the hypostatic unit. Yes? Mm. We understand totally, but it's still we we have sin. Yes, and and yeah, and and so as beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, um, I think it's a good reminder to say we are striving to obey God always, um, but we aren't going to be perfect, and that's why we live in this sinful, corrupt world, um, and we still have a sinful flesh. However, uh, throughout Scripture, that's why we're encouraged, motivated to obey God. We're, we're encouraged to uh, pray and, and seek His will. Uh, and, and so, yes, um, you know, it can be discouraging at times if we think it like that. Oh, I'm going to sin anyways. But what we need to have our mindset on is, okay, God has given me the Holy Spirit to help me and to trust Him and, and to move on in this marathon. Um, yeah, you're going to fall. You know, it's, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a you know it's a good question. Um, it might get into the more eschatology, so I'm gonna have to move on quick. But um, there is an argument that in the millennial kingdom there will be some death, but then uh, new heavens, new earth. There is no death. Uh, that is the last enemy, and that's why it's the new heavens and new earth. Yeah, no sin. Yep, uh, they're all cast into the lake of fire. Uh, the, the sinners, uh, Antichrist, all of them, and us. We will be without sin, never being even able to sin. It's going to be perfect. But let's move on because um, I know I don't have much time. With uh, we started with communion, uh, so let's go to lesson seven. Uh, oh wow, did I even go on lesson seven? Yes. All right, lesson seven: stopping deception and starting devotion. We know here that God is the giver of all good things, right? He is perfect, and there's no reason to think he's evil. So there's that transition there. Okay, uh, God doesn't tempt anyone, but what does God do? He is gracious, right? We have common grace. God has given us so much that we don't deserve, even to unbelievers. Uh, We learn that he's the immutable or unchangeable creator of lights. God's goodness never changes, right? He created the sun, the moon, the stars. And yeah, they change, but God doesn't change. And uh, verse 18, regeneration comes before faith. There's a debate on that, but yes, I believe that. Um, And and we learn there that God's plan is perfect in verse 18. In the exercise of his will, what does he do first? He brought us forth by the word of truth, and so that will be a kind of first fruits. And so God gets all the glory. He's the one that uh, lined it up perfectly, that we would be first chosen, right? Given that gospel call, regenerated, then we will... Uh, repent and have faith. We're adopted into the family. Um, we're justified. We're going to be sanctified, and we're going to continue in this process, perseverance of the saints. One day we will be glorified, right? And so that's just a beautiful plan that God has, uh, and it's perfect. And, and so that's the next P there in your review sheet. Lesson eight, reject the world and receive the word. Uh, four R's that I want us to remember, and that's 
repentance of all our sins, uh, right? We're supposed to be slow to anger, slow to speak. And if you look at verse 21 in James chapter 1, therefore putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. And so, yes, we need to put off before we put on, right? We're called to repent and have faith, right? And so God is calling us to turn away from our sins and turn to Christ. Uh, In verse 21, we also learn about revere God in humility, right? How are you to put on? You ought to be meek, gentle. You have to say, Lord, here I am. I am nothing without you. Please save me. You receive the implanted word and you rejoice of the coming salvation. And so, uh, lots of good things there in lesson eight. We jumped into lesson nine, be doers of the word. And two main things that I want you to remember, and and if you remember this uh, during our Sunday school time, there's the deceived hearers and there's the blessed doers. What do the deceived hearers do? They look to themselves, they depart and neglect to do the will of God. Does anyone remember the illustration there? Yes, the mirror, right? What do they do? They just look at it, okay? And then they walk away. Wait, how did I look? Uh Uh-oh. And so that's what happens with the deceived hearers. What am I supposed to do, God? Oh, I'm supposed to do... No, no, no. I'm I'm all right. I'm going to go do whatever I want. Um, They will not receive the crown of life. But the blessed doers, they look, they stoop down, they go into that perfect law, and they abide by it. They meditate on it and they do the will of God. They will receive the crown of life, right? So they look to the perfect law. All right, one more lesson in chapter 1. And that is lesson number 10. So we see that worthless religion in verse 26, if you have it there, look what it says. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. And so we learn about the hypocrisy, the deception, the vanity of false religion. Who, who do you think of when we think of hypocrites and false religion? The Pharisees, right? They were everything clean on the outside. They looked great on paper, but their hearts were wicked, right? They were jealous, envious of Jesus, and they couldn't wait to put him to death. The perfect, sinless Son of God who was humble, loving, but then again, he did rebuke them many times, and they didn't like that. Um, And so, yes, they were following a false religion because they made up their own religion, right? Um, You had to clean yourself before certain things. It was was a man-made religion, false religion. And that is what James is really getting at. Don't be deceived with that. But rather, here's pure and undefiled religion. What is that? Look at verse 27. In the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress, to keep oneself unstained by the world. And so we mentioned caring for the needy and to be clean from the world. And that last P there is uh, pure, for pure religion. All right, any questions or takeaways from these lessons? Um, any questions? Yeah. Uh, I missed the P. Uh-oh. Putting aside, yes. Putting aside all filth, yes. That remains of wickedness. God's plan is perfect. Blessed doers abide by the perfect law. All right, we've got to move just because it is getting close here. So chapter 2. We looked at five lessons here of chapter 2. 
The first one was foolish favoritism, right? We get that illustration of the rich man comes in, the poor man comes in, and there's that spokesman, maybe a deacon, someone, a church leader who welcomes you in, and they were like, poor person, you sit over there. Rich person, you sit right in front, right? So we'll look into that in a little bit. Lesson 12, fulfilling the royal law, right? That's loving your neighbor as yourself, um, doing unto others as you want them to do to you. Uh, We'll get into that. And then my favorite one, uh, lesson 13, was dead faith, right? You either have a real living faith or you have a dead faith. Um, And we'll see the contrast. And really it was a three-part series in lesson 14 and 15 because we got the living faith of Abraham and the living faith of Rahab. And so we'll jump into that. Uh, briefly here, and we'll have a time for questions afterwards too. So lesson 11, we see here foolish favoritism. If you read in James chapter 2 verse 1, we have God's command to adhere, which is, my brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. And so the next B here is, do not be partial, right? Do not be partial. But what ought we to learn about God, his course of action? Who does he choose? Look at verse 5. Listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? Again, a key phrase, promise to those who love him. There are people that love God. There are people that are humble, meek, trusting in God. And remember, there's a lot of correlation with what here? Matthew 7, who remembers? Sermon on the Mount. Remember, there's a lot of correlation there. James is like, it's like he just saturated himself with that sermon. Uh, and and he, he says a lot of things here that connect with the Sermon on the Mount. And so God chooses the poor. And then lastly, we talked a little bit about man's contradiction. And look at verse 7, uh, verse 6. But you have dishonored the poor man... The man God chose, right? God chose the poor here. Is not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Do they not blaspheme the fair name by which you have been called? And so we see that man is favoring those who mistreat them. What is going on there? right? And, and so there's this foolishness that comes with that. Um, when you really uh, just get pressure to follow the crowd, uh, get pressure to... Um, you know, give preference to those who really are nasty and and they're not believers, right? They're blaspheming God. They're making fun of God. And and so uh, here we were learning, James is telling us, what are you guys doing, right? And he loves to rebuke here um, and and we need it. Uh, And so uh, even when the trials come, the persecution comes, we don't just cave into that pressure and say, we got to treat those in charge of us with so much honor and respect, even though they're dishonoring, you know, the poor man. Uh, dishonoring those that God chose. And so, it's foolish. Favoritism is foolish. Moving on here to Lesson 12, Fulfilling the Royal Law. We have four C's, uh, commendation, conviction, condemnation, and compassion. So, commendation. Loving your neighbor is pleasing to God. That's the next P there. Pleasing to God. We see that James says, if you're doing this, if you're fulfilling the royal law, you're doing well, right? Uh, No sarcasm there. It seems that uh, he is giving us a pat on the back. Keep loving your neighbor. Do as God commands. That is a good thing. It's pleasing to God. And who wouldn't want to please God? Um, 
the next part, though, he, he shows us. But if you're showing partiality, then you're convicted. You're a lawbreaker. You have disobeyed God. And so what about those who disobey God? They are condemned. And we read that in verse 13, for judgment will be merciless to those who have shown no mercy. So there is no mercy for those who show no mercy. We read about that in Matthew 6.14 after the Lord's Prayer, right? If you forgive your brother, he will forgive you. But if you do not forgive, neither will he forgive you. And so we need to check our hearts there if we have uh, been committing the sin of partiality, or if we have been forgiven our brothers in love. Lastly, we learn about God's compassion. That last verse that just, uh, it's, like a, it's like a nice little punch here. It says, mercy triumphs over judgment, right? Um, and, and just a beautiful reminder of God's compassion. Though we deserve nothing but judgment, He offers mercy and grace and love. And, and so we can remember that uh, God is obviously going to judge the wicked, and he should judge us, but he has shown us mercy. All right, my favorite lesson. We made it to lesson 13, dead faith. And, and so there's a lot going on here in these six verses, right? We had this debate of faith versus works. And so is there a contradiction between James and Paul? Remember in Galatians 2.16, uh, you will not be justified by the works of the law. Okay, but isn't James saying you are going to be justified by works? What's going on here? Is there harmony? Of course there is. Uh, we need to understand the difference between vindication and justification, right? Um, there is evidence or proof of your faith. That is James' main point. Remember, deception is the theme. Uh, are you being deceived in your faith? When the trials come, are you just you know, straying from the faith, leaving the faith? Or when the trials come, there's proof. You're enduring. You keep, you keep going. You, you trust Christ in your trials. And, and that shows that, yes, you are vindicated. It shows that you do have real faith. And, and so when Paul is talking, which is the next P there in your review sheet, when Paul is talking, he's getting at the Judaizers, right? They're saying that you have to be circumcised. And he's talking about the works of the law. And so he's tackling a different issue. And so we just need to uh, be careful before we jump to conclusions uh, with this debate of faith versus works. We talked about dead faith uh, and demonic faith, right? A faith that is separate or has no evidence of works is not a real faith. It's like a car with no brakes. Yes, it's, it's a nice car, shiny car, great. But if you don't have brakes, it's useless. Uh, and then we read in verse 19 of James chapter 2, uh, you believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. And so we talked about, okay, it's great that you know correct doctrine, right? The Shema, God is one, okay, great. Um, but that doesn't mean that you have a love for God. And so, obviously, demons, they know, they, they fear God, and, and they, you know, existed before us and all that, and know a lot of theology, but they don't love God. They disobey God. Um, and so, uh, we saw a lot of that with the dead faith, but we had two examples of a real faith, right? James doesn't just leave us there. He gives us the living faith of Abraham. Um, and what was that example of living faith? He offered up Isaac, the son of promise, the one who was going to be blessed uh, beyond measure here, right? You mentioned the descendants of the stars and all that. Look up there. And it's like, wait, what? What happened to that? But no, Abraham has faith. He, he even believes, according to Hebrews 11, that God could have raised Isaac from the dead. And so, yeah, that's the next P. 
Isaac, the son of promise, is offered to the Lord. And that was a great example of faith. We see here in verse 22 that Abraham's perfected faith, faith working with works. It says here, you see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And so I reminded you of Matthew 7 with a good tree uh, produces good fruit, right? A bad tree produces bad fruit. And so you will know them by their fruit. And, and Abraham, of course, he had good fruits. He also is reminded that righteousness is by faith alone, right? We read that in verse 23. And Abraham believed God and was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. So by faith, we are considered a friend of God. Lastly, we made it to the last lesson, guys. The living faith of Rahab. And so here, we learn about uh, the comparison and contrast. Abraham, the patriarch, but Rahab, the prostitute. Right? You have uh, a man, you have a woman. Um, Abraham at the time, yes, was a Gentile, but he would be the father of the faith. And Rahab, uh, super Gentile, Canaanites, right? One of God's enemies. But what does God show us? God can use anyone. He can use anyone. And he uses uh, not just Abraham, but he uses Rahab as well. And so this is very encouraging to hear about uh, just the testimony of Rahab and her faith in God. Um, and remember, we went through Joshua 2 to 6, and we just see how she cries out to the Lord um, in faith. And what does she do? Uh, yes, she's a harlot, but she's also a hero. She protects the spies, right? And she didn't have to, but she believed in their God. Um, it could have been so easy to just turn them in and, and maybe possibly extend the war and say, you see, look, we're gonna, these Israelites aren't going to take us over. No, she could have been proud about her country. She said, no, you guys are not taking us. But instead she said, your God is the one true God who made the heavens and the earth. Lastly, verse 26, we have here the illustration of body and soul. And so faith without works is what? Dead. And so you see that there's a difference uh, or this huge contrast between uh, the body and the soul. You need both to have a living human being. Um, demons, they have a soul, but they don't have a body. Uh, and, and, but us, you know, we obviously have a body and soul. But if you don't, if you don't have either or, then yes, you're dead. And so that's the last illustration he gives us. Faith without works is dead. You need both there. All right, any questions uh, before we get to our last PowerPoint slide here? Any questions on lessons uh, 11 to 15 or chapter 2 in general? I know there's a lot of verses there, but... All right, we are running out of time, so let's, the last P there, uh, protect the spies. So I'm just going to read this. Uh, where are we going? So we know where we are, right? Hopefully uh, this review helped. Where are we going, though? Not going to Atlanta, Georgia. We are going to chapters 3 to 5 in the next 13 lessons here. Uh, looking forward to next week, steering the stumbling tongue. Uh, we're going to talk about this tongue of death that is like a fire. The incontrollable and inconsistent tongue. You have a person that blesses God but curses man. Right? That's going to be a good lesson there. The challenge and counterfeit of wisdom. So this is also like a two-part. We're going to talk about fake wisdom, the wisdom of man, and then godly wisdom, right? the wisdom from above. We move on to the heart of the letter. These three lessons here with all the P's here. The pleasures and problems of the proud. 
the positions of the proud, the plea to the proud. This is a heart of James' letter because there's over 10 imperatives out of his 52. It's all jammed into these 10 verses. And so this is going to be the main punch. And then uh, lastly here, lessons four, uh, 24 to 29, a little bit more about the tongue, about wealth. Um, and then, of course, you know, when you're being mistreated, we are called to be patient. And, and lastly, he concludes um, abruptly a little bit, and, and that's his style, but it's praying or straying. And he's going to just talk about how um, there are those believers that are, that are straying, but if we point them to the truth, uh, we can help them get back on track. And we'll get into that uh, with discipline and all that stuff. And, of course, we'll do a review at the end. All right, let me pray and thank the Lord.